0: I know that there are people that are truly big fans of my show, but I've no way to get in touch with them and create a direct relationship with them.
1: Welcome to PodLand, the last word in podcasting news. It's Thursday, the 23rd of June, 2022. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net. And I'm Sam Sethi, the MD of River Radio,
2: the podcast's first radio station.
0: Hi, this is Carlos Diaz from Uncut.fm. I'll be on later to talk about this new monetization platform using NFT tokens and Web3.
3: I'm Jake Warren. I'm the CEO and founder of MessageHerd. And I'll be on later to talk about our new partnership with CAA.
1: They will. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout. Podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 3,373 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout. And now there's Buzzsprout ads to grow your podcast wherever it's hosted. Find out more at buzzsprout.com ads. And... We're sponsored by Squadcast, the remote recording tool that your audience will love. Squadcast version 5 is coming later this month with new features and a new look. There's a sneak preview in Pod News today. More details next week in a special episode of Podland with Zach
2: and Rock and Ariel. Podland is where James and I review the latest news from the podcast industry. And this week, James, we're going to start off by talking about an announcement that came out yesterday. Acast have done an exclusive deal with meta to uh integrate with their facebook groups to build the word of the week communities james tell me more
1: oh communities it's always a good thing yeah so meta actually made a big announcement uh, yesterday all around uh, additional uh, features for monetization um so they talked about nfts Um, which is uh, very exciting. We know that NFTs raise important sustainability questions. Yes. Absolutely. Um, like. Yeah. <laughs> um, they talk about uh, Facebook stars, which is Facebook's sort of in-app currency type thing, and um, creators will be able to receive stars from their fans. Not quite sure what you can do with them, but nevertheless, uh, they're there. Um, but one of the things that they talked about is the snappily called interoperable subscriber groups. <laughs> it's a great name. Interoperable subscriber groups. There's some project manager there who's uh, managed some. Yeah, exactly. But what it enables uh, people to do is if you are, for example, a subscriber through ACAST Plus to your favourite podcast, then what that podcast can do is they can uh, automatically join you into a Facebook group, which is only for um listeners of that particular podcast. So it's a um so it's a quite nice, you know, private members only Facebook groups type thing, which Facebook's been able to do for a long time, but it's this is the first time that there's actually been integration into a separate tool like Acast Plus. So uh, quite neat that Acast has managed to get uh, that as a
2: launch uh, partner as an integration with uh, Facebook. James, do you think because I've not seen it yet, and you may have seen some press releases do does the podcast itself of the episode sit within the Facebook groups, or do I have to listen separately and then communicate within the Facebook group separately?
1: It looks to me as if, um, from the screenshots that I've seen, it looks to me as if, um, no, the audio listening is separately. The audio listening is on your favourite podcast app. um, And uh, then you can um, go and use Facebook for what it's good for, which is um, talking to people. Um, So, no, I don't believe that there's a Facebook, uh, any audio uh, in Facebook. And, of course, as we know, Facebook has recently closed down their audio functions anyway. Uh, which was supposed to be so big just over a year ago. Um, so uh, I think this is just purely a um, a members-only Facebook group, but an automated way of uh, doing that. Um, I have to say, you know, Patreon offers a similar integration with Discord, um, which is certainly uh, possible. And um, you can also do members-only groups on places like Reddit and Telegram and various other things. So, um, you know, I think that the secret here is that this is something which is automatable, which is programmatic, which allows you to automatically add all of your new subscribers um, into a Facebook group, if, of course, they've got a Facebook account. Um, and uh, and Facebook obviously benefiting from additional, um, additional traffic because of that.
2: Can I just say in a word, rubbish. Totally rubbish, that. I mean... <laughs> why don't, no, why don't I'm you not hold back, on on this one. Yeah, no, I, absolute pants. I mean, seriously, when Facebook were going to do podcasting, I got semi-excited because I hadn't used Facebook for years it was sort of a cobweb Mm. of a social media site with irrelevancy on a high level but I thought okay, no worries, for the radio station we'll put the RSS into Facebook, into Mm. our page because we couldn't put it into a group and if you remember I said what they did as a mistake was to just assume that you only had one podcast RSS feed but Okay, I'm an exceptional outlier. I've got 25 plus podcast feeds. So for me, I said the perfect solution would be to have my RSS feed into a separate Facebook group underneath and rolled up into Facebook page that way the radio station would be the Facebook page the branded page and below it would be the groups with community and interactivity and then it have the latest episode where they could interact because context is critical so if I'm talking about an episode I want to be seeing the comments for that episode within the feed But if I'm going to have to sit on one side listening to the podcast and on another page actually comment, forget that. Never going to work. Might as well not even bother starting that one.
1: Well, I think what you want, actually, is you want um, you know a good podcast app that uh, also has community built into it. Mm. Maybe community that is um, driven by, I don't know, Boostergrams. So when you send a message, um, then you can also uh, make that message public and you can see what other Boostergrams people have uh, posted or comments people have uh, posted within that podcast. Uh, podcast app, that will probably be a really nice idea. Oh, wait, no, it exists. And it's called Fountain. Yes. uh, Which is a wonderful thing. So Fountain not only has, um, uh, not only has Comments in its app, um, but also it's now rewarding people for listening to shows, isn't it, Sam?
2: Yes, as I said, are you paying attention? Because it's basically people, they're rewarding them now for their attention. This is the, hmm. the long held belief of the attention economy, you know, that uh, instead of ads, people will get paid for their time and attention. And well done, Oscar, for doing it. I don't know if you've played with it. Have you yet, James?
1: I have indeed. And in fact, I am moving over to make Fountain my main podcast app, Um, I'm doing a lot of flying over the next couple of weeks, so um, doubtless it'll it'll get a work through. Um, but one of the really interesting things that I noticed is um, so there are ways of increasing the amount that you earn. So if you share the fact that you're using the app with your friends, then you get to earn more uh, Bitcoin, and um, uh, the maximum is five five times the amount of Bitcoin, which is actually enough to sit there, listen to you know Adam and Dave. Um, Give them, you know, a sensible amount of uh, sats per minute as you listen. And actually you earn pretty much uh, as much sats um, through listening through through the Fountain app. So um, it, it's a really nice way of being able to support the podcasts that you really know and you really like, uh, including the, this one, we should uh, say, as well. So if you're listening to Podland on Fountain, you can basically support us for nothing, if you want to, by using the Fountain app, having a listen to us on uh, Fountain. And as the money uh, comes in to you, it can automatically go to us if you want it to. So it's a really nice uh, plan and they've made it really easy and simple. So um, I'm quite bullish about it. I'm quite I'm quite excited about it.
2: Yeah, I think Oscar has done a great job. And I think uh, we're going to reach out to Oscar to get him on Podland in a few weeks' time. But he also does something called Splits as well, which I think is a really nice thing, um, which means that when people do pay for uh booster grams they can actually split where the money goes as well so well done Oscar he's, he's really implemented I guess what Facebook should have done but who knows
1: yeah he's he's done a lot of what Facebook um can be done and actually that splits is part of the main podcasting 2.0 standard um and uh you know the day that you uh, unpack your umbral and plug it in and set the thing <laughs> up Sam um <laughs> then what I can do is I can actually split the uh, sats that we get for this show so that you yeah. get high half and I get half. Or you know, um, you get three quarters and I get a quarter. Or no, just or, send you, know, you to the however bar instead. It works. It's easier. <laughs> but the um, but what I like about it is that the splits are worked out um, it's uh, up to the creator as all of these things should be uh, so it's a really smart way of uh, earning revenue and yes I know Bitcoin has um, has collapsed in value over the last um, over the last month and indeed over the last week I think it's down by 40 percent it doesn't matter um, they are internet tokens that we're giving to other people the fact that their value goes up up and down is not of interest here at all. It's all to do with, are you uh, giving people value for value? Are you, um, are you, uh, you know, giving people uh, streaming sats as you listen? Which are tiny amounts of uh, Bitcoin? Is that a good thing? Yes, it is a good thing. Has the value gone up and down a bit? Yes, it has gone up and down a bit, but that doesn't matter so much. So uh, no, I think it's uh, really exciting. So you know, certainly worthwhile having a go. Um, I am uh, direct messaging Oscar every couple of hours with "I found another bug," or <laughs> "this could do with be- this could do with being improved." It's the old the old the old product manager in me. Um, so uh, I'm enjoying uh, doing that, but it's a, really nice, uh, it's a really nice app which has uh, got a lot more mature over the last couple of months, so uh, really good to see.
2: Now, uh, last week we talked about another new app that came to the market called Uncut.fm uh, that uses NFTs. Now, basically what we're talking about here between both Acast Plus and Facebook and, and Oscar with the way that he's implemented value for value. With Uncut, they've taken another stance at this they've taken the same idea which is to reward users uh, and allow creators and fans to directly connect but at this time they're using nfts and they're using eth therefore as opposed to bitcoin as the underlying payment system and so i thought i'd catch up with carlos diaz the uh, ceo and founder of uncut fm to ask him how he's implementing his own value for value system but on a different platform
0: Basically, what we want to do with Uncut.fm is to create the first podcasting platform that allows podcasters to create a direct relationship in between them and their fans and a relationship that is based on ownership. That's basically what we want to do. And we are using the blockchain and the Web3 technologies to do that. And I had this idea because I'm a podcaster myself. I've been an entrepreneur all my life. I created startups since I'm 23. Uncut.fm is my fifth one, I think, something like that. And and yes, as a podcaster, I started podcasting four years ago, something like that. One of the big frustrations I always had was... Uh, I didn't know the people were listening to me. I've got some numbers. I've got statistics from my hosting provider about the number of downloads, the number of listens I have on my podcast. I've got a podcast. It's a French language podcast named Silicon Carnet that is talking about the Silicon Valley in French that is doing very well. It's part of the top 10 of tech podcasts in France. And I'm doing something like 25,000 downloads a month, what is great, but there are vanity metrics. I I don't know if it happened to you already, but sometimes I'm talking with people and I'm mentioning the fact that I have a podcast and then the people say to me, yeah, I know your podcast, I'm one of your listeners, but I I don't know that. And so that was a big frustration because among these 25,000 downloads I have every month, I know that there are people that are truly big fans of my show but I have no way to get in touch with them and create a direct relationship with them. And the reason why is because the traditional podcasting platform out there don't consider this audience like yours. You're basically renting this audience from them and they don't want you to create a direct relationship. Why? Because if you create a direct relationship with these people, then you can create a direct business model uh, with them and with no intermediaries. And that's exactly what we want to do with Uncut.fm. It's not only about allowing you to identify your true fans. And I think we mentioned together when we were talking about Uncut.fm, this fantastic essay from uh, the 1000 true fans, meaning that we need to get rid of this uh, dictatorship of viewership where basically it's having millions of people. There is podcasters out there that they are struggling at monetizing their podcast because... They don't have the audience for that, because yeah. if you do at least fifty thousand downloads a month, you're not going to make any money out of your podcast. And we believe at Uncut that there is other form of monetization beyond advertising, sponsoring, subscription, and donations. And that's exactly this new form of monetization we want to create.
2: Yeah, Kevin Kelly's essay and his book, the follow-up, The Inevitable, was brilliant. The one thousand tree fans, mm-hmm. and I can see exactly what you're doing. You're, you're generating an NFT token that your fans stroke listeners can buy from you at a set price that you put in the marketplace and that funds your business i think kevin kelly said if you can get fans to pay you 10 pound a month and you get a thousand fans there's a great hundred thousand pound business you've chosen to go down the nft eth route for monetization rewarding fans and giving their attention to you in terms of an nft adam curry dave jones with the podcast index i have gone with another model which is bitcoin based using satoshis something they call value for value and uh, fountain app just announced today actually that they're doing very similar to what you're doing but they're rewarding people with satoshis for listening
0: what is something i don't live in we can talk about that
2: yeah i was going to ask you so why did you pick the ETH nft and why didn't you pick the bitcoin value for value sats model
0: So that's a very interesting question, a little bit technical question. I don't want to get too technical because, by the way, one thing that is very important to us is to put, you know, the technology behind the curtain. Because I think that most of the people don't give a shit about this uh, blockchain and technology stuff. And that's our job to make sure that the things are decentralized, but don't look too much decentralized. So, for example, when you use Uncut, you don't need a crypto wallet. You don't need crypto to buy these NFTs. You can buy them with your credit card. I have some of my listeners buying my tokens with Apple Pay without putting any credit card number either, just with facial recognition. And you don't need a crypto wallet. We create a crypto wallet for you, a non-custodial crypto wallet automatically directly from your email. So you don't need any Web3 experience to get into this world because this is not the point. We're not here to turn people into blockchain addicts. We're here to create this direct relationship in between creators and fans, and we use the blockchain to do that because it's the only technology out there that can guarantee this ownership in between you and your fans. Now, why did we choose ETH and uh, not Bitcoin? Cut.fm is running on the layer two blockchain named Polygon, and that's very important because the Polygon blockchain is a proof-of-stake blockchain that consume a Way less energy than the proof of work in you know, a blockchain like Bitcoin. And I think that environmental impact of this technology is critical. It's very important. And we wanted to pick, you know, a technology that has a minimum impact on the environment. And Polygon is one of them. And also another thing is with the Polygon network, the gas fees are minimal. By the way, we even absorbing these gas fees. Why? Because we don't want your listeners to have to understand what are gas fees. So basically, we got rid of them. We take care of the gas fees. We absorb that into our business model. So you and your listeners don't have to deal and try to understand what are these gas fees and stuff like that. They don't exist with Uncut.fm. So Polygon Network, that's main rationale behind this choice was the environment. Very important. Number one, the fact that it's a layer two proof of stake. And that allows us also to create smart contracts. And very interesting, we can talk about what you can do with smart contracts. Programmable, these tokens are programs that you can ask to do very specific stuff. And the third aspect is the low gas fees. That's the reason why.
2: Yeah, Snoop Dogg issued an NFT based around his new album straight after the Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. Yeah. he made $44 million. But one of my wishes would have been that he'd made the NFTs. So the rights issues to the future sales of that music would have gone to his fans as well. It could have been point zero 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 one percent Whatever, you know? yes. But that would have created a, a secondary tradable market in that NFT because it had yeah. a, an intrinsic future value. Do the NFTs that you're creating, you know, is there a secondary market for them, do you think?
1: Let's just take a quick break.
2: Welcome to High Street Matters, a regular podcast from BIRA, the British Independent Retailers Association. My name's Steve Dyson, and I'm a journalist who's interviewing top business owners and experts here at BIRA about issues which impact independent retailers today. We'll be talking to a cross-section of our members from around the UK, from single retail outlets to small chains, and from large department stores to leisure and hospitality. We plan to provide top tips to help businesses stay ahead of the retail curve. High Street Matters.
0: Thanks for listening. That's a very good question as well. Thank you for asking the question, Sam. We don't see NFTs and tokens as speculative aspects. I think that I'm in the blockchain space and believe it or not, there is too big trend inside the blockchain. I know that there is a lot of people against the blockchain and they believe that Inside this blockchain world, it's just one world that want to scam people and, and pump the maximum of money out of people. This is not the case. There is actually two big trends in the blockchain space. There is one family that considers that the blockchain was created to make us rich. Okay. I'm not part of this trend. And there is another family that believe that the blockchain was invented to set us free. And that's exactly why what we believe in. I We're using the blockchain to get rid of these platforms and to allow us to not have these intermediaries. You were talking about the music. That's maybe one of the sector where there are the most intermediaries and useless intermediaries that don't allow uh, creators to do whatever they want with their creation. So we believe that the blockchain is here to set us free and... And so we're not in this speculative aspect. I don't think that the listeners buying my fans, buying my NFTs from my show, think that they are going to become rich because they are buying NFTs from Silicon County. I don't think that their motivation, their main motivation is the utilities that is embedded inside these tokens. And we talk about smart contracts and that's exactly what is great with these tokens is that it's not only a way to support your favorite creator, but it's also a membership card, an access card that gives you access to unique experiences if you have the token. Part of these experiences can be very simple experiences. Like, for example, with Uncut.fm, you have an NFT-gated space. So every owner of a token on the platform can get access to a specific place where you get to interact directly with the podcaster and the rest of the listeners with tokens. That's great. But we can go way beyond So one thing we can do is, and that's something we are working on right now at Uncut. I hope we'll release that before the end of the year. What we want to do is to say, listen, podcasters can decide that X percent of the sale of their NFTs are going to go into a community treasury on-chain. So Basically, why are you doing these tokens? It's not only a way to show your support, access to great stuff. But it's also a way to gather and pool resources with your community. And you as a podcasters can propose projects to your community. So you can say, for example, listen, we've got this treasury. I'm thinking of doing a specific content around this topic, but I need two Ethereum to do that. And you ask your community to vote on this proposition. And if they say yes, then the money is transferred from this community treasury to your own wallet. And this is what smart contracts allow us to do. So we want to create this capacity inside Uncut.fm where it's not only about turning your audience into a community, but it's also putting your community around a balance sheet and have them using this money for your show and give you the resources you need to do the right stuff, the stuff they want you to do. So they
2: can use it as a voting mechanism in some ways. Yeah, voting Um, power.
0: So the more you have tokens, the more you buy tokens. Not only you increase the community treasury, but the more you have voting power inside this community. So the rule we have, for example, we are building that right now. One token equal equal one vote. But depending on the scarcity, this token can have more votes. So, for example, it's a very rare token. There is a very limited number of uh, edition of this token, then it's not maybe one vote, it's maybe five votes. And then yeah. after the stacking, if you kept this token in your wallet for a long time, then you have a multiplier. So basically these five votes, because you had this token in your wallet for 18 months is now worth 20 votes. So yeah. every time there is a decision to take inside the community, you have more power. So now people understand why are they buying you know, this token? They are buying these tokens to pool resources, pool money, Run projects with the community and have power inside this community. And that's a great way also to reward your early fans.
2: Yeah, you can use it as an element of gamification as well. Again, it could be a two-way reward mechanism. The true fan who's listened for every podcast, who's supported you from the beginning, might get extra NFT type voting rights or capabilities or returns.
0: Yeah. And that's why I don't believe in this pay to listen kind of mechanism. I don't believe in that because uh, there is nothing new. It just added complexity to something that is working already. I don't think that my listeners are going to listen to my podcast more because I'm paying them with, by the way, maybe monkey money. I don't know what this money is going to be worth. So I think that we need to use this token and this technology for the right reasons. And when you put together something like pay to listen, you're basically, in what I was saying before, trying to explain to people that the blockchain is here to make you rich. This is not the case.
2: I, I love the model that you're applying, though, because it's the model that I feel that has to happen So. The gatekeepers like Apple and Spotify are trying to do a ownership with an advertising strategy. And I think, as you rightly said, the amount of money, the CPM rates that you're going to generate from the amount of small listeners you might have on the long tail means you're never going to actually get the reward element that you really want for the hard work you put in.
0: I think it's a fantastic tool. We don't know exactly how people are going to use it. By the way, Uncut.fm is still in, in private beta. It's not publicly available. So we created a program that we call Podcaster in Residency, where we only accept 50 podcasters because we want to build this product not for them, but with them, and we are observing very closely what are they doing with this technology and with these tokens. The product is entirely free for this podcaster in residency, and it will be entirely free forever for these people. And the business model in the future for Uncut, I think that one thing that we don't want to be is another intermediary with your sales. So that's why we call Uncut, by the way. We want to Uncut you from this dictate of the platform. So we're not going to do that and create another platform that is another intermediary, but just a new one. Uncut is not going to take any cut on yourselves. You you were talking about music. We are these guys creating these vinyls, you know? So basically, we are the one creating the will for you. And you print the music you want on this vinyl, and you sell this vinyl to your community the price you want. What we are saying you is the plastic. That's what we are building. It's an infrastructure. It's a protocol where you come to us, you use the technology. The technology is super simple. You don't need any expertise or you don't need to develop anything. It's a no-code platform for creators. And you invent the business model you want with it.
2: Just so I understand, I'm a creator. I come to Uncut.fm. Outside of the private beta that you're currently running, when it goes to the public state, I sign up, I register my podcast, my RSS. I get a set of creator tools, I'm assuming to create my NFT. I can then issue those out to my audience. And you
0: have your own page on Uncut.fm, a little bit like Substack, so you have your... Uh, name of your show, uncut.fm It's your space. There is no branding from Uncut or whatever. It's your dedicated homepage for your NFTs and tokens and your community. And
2: for clarity, where do you make your money then? <laughs>
0: Today, we're not doing any money, but in the future, we think that the product will be free. There will be a freemium version where you can mint, I don't know, I don't have the numbers, but maybe you can mint 100 tokens a month. And if you need more tokens because your community is bigger, then you're going to buy tokens from us. You're going to buy tokens to create your own tokens. And you can buy a bulk of tokens for the entire year. And you have a discount price because you bought, I don't know, 10,000 tokens because you think you're going to need 10,000 tokens through maybe 100 different NFTs you're going to create throughout the year. Whatever. That's going to be the model. So basically, it's buying capacity, technology capacity from the platform to create your own token. And then no gas fee, nothing, no cut on your sales or whatever. So that's basically what we have in mind right now. So it's a little bit like a software, but uh, you use a technology and you buy. It's a a pay-per-use kind of thing. But we don't want to take a cut on your sales.
2: So last two questions, Carlos. Where can people go? Remind them...
0: So right now we're still in private beta. So if you go to our website, the address is uncutuncut.fm. You can apply to this uh, podcaster in residency program. The cool thing is that we want a small group of podcasters to work very closely with them. There, there is already 25 of them right now and we are working very closely with them. We are providing a lot of advice. We are, we have a playbook how to launch your token strategy with your community. How do you introduce these things to your community? What can you do? We try to document all the use cases we've seen so far, and there are many things. One thing that I give you one use case that I heard about from one of our podcasters in Residency that I thought was very interesting. He wants to create every episode. He's creating one token that gives you one minute of airtime in the next show. It's a token. So two options. So the community can decide to buy this token and use this one minute of airtime in the next show. Of course, it is the one who decides mm-hmm. if the content is right or not for the show. Or you can decide to keep this token because the value of this one minute is going to increase in the future. Or maybe you're going to need it later on. But you buy this capacity. And when I was talking with this podcaster, that was fascinating because what he was saying is, I want my community to own the inventory of my advertising opportunities in my show, I prefer the community to own that and do whatever they want with it. Of course they buy it, but they can, they now they own it so they can decide to use it. They can decide to give it to someone else that need it. They can decide to resell it. They can decide to destroy it. For example, imagine someone, a group of people decide, no, we don't want any sponsor in this podcast, and they buy all these opportunities and burn them right away. So there is no sponsor in this podcast because the community decided so. I think it's a fantastic idea.
2: I fully, fully understand what you're trying to do, and I wish you all the best with it. It's a a very difficult concept to get the momentum around, because Obviously, those of us who have a a technical background can understand exactly what you're doing. And as you said, it's your technical ability married with your marketing skills that are going to hide the complexity. One of my favorite expressions from a guy called Edward de Bono is complexity is failed simplicity. Hmm. And uh, to make this model frictionless and simple enough for the average user is really the challenge to focus on.
0: That's our job is to make it super simple first for your audience because they don't care. And second, also for the creators, so they don't have to deal with all this uh, technology that, by the way, is very early stage and very immature still. So it's important to remove this complexity. And that's our job. We are the nerds. We're taking care of that.
2: Carlos, good luck with Uncut.fm. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.
1: Carlos Diaz from Uncut.fm. He's a bloke. He makes podcasts. Uh, I wonder what else we know about podcasts and uh, the type of people who make them.
2: Well, we don't know a lot, which is interesting given how mature the industry is becoming. But good news is our friends over at Sounds Profitable, Brian and Tom, are going to be doing an event next week. So, James, tell me more about this event.
1: Yeah, they will. So it's the, what they call the first credible study of the profile of podcast creators in America. Um, Brian is never one for uh, underselling himself, so he, he, he has said it's an incredibly important benchmark in the history of podcasting. Um, but uh, it is also a really interesting piece of data. How do I know that? Well, it was released to the sponsors yesterday, and PodNews is a sponsor. So I've actually seen all of the data And the only thing that I can tell you is that there are some really surprising things in that data, some really surprising things and some worrying things as well in terms of who makes podcasts uh, in comparison to who listens uh, to them. It's a fascinating thing. Well worth uh, a watch. You can watch the webinar for free on Tuesday, June the 28th. Um, it's at one o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Time, which means it's uh, the evening uh, in uh, the UK. Uh, well worth watching, and it's uh, free to take part. Uh, if you want to, you can register for free at
2: soundsprofitable.com slash creators. James, although you can't tell me what's in it, um, <laughs> do you think... Yes. That this... <laughs> yes. you can't tell me what's in it, I'm going to ask you questions anyway. Um, do you think that you can extrapolate out the data. So because it's very US centric, will it be universal in its type of uh, uh, information that we can extrapolate for our own use here in the UK or Australia or any other country?
1: Yeah, I think some of the information is most certainly extrapolatable. (laughs) Uh, I'm sure that you can uh, extrapolate some of that that information. Yeah, absolutely. Some of it is very US uh, centric, but some of it isn't. And my suspicion is that were this research to be done in other countries, it would show, um, you know, some very similar things and some very different things. Um, I mean, uh, you know, I was really surprised. It's the first couple of slides that I just thought, Oh, wow. No, this is absolutely not what I was expecting. Um, so uh, I was very surprised at some of the information that I saw. But I think it gives us a good, uh, some of it's a good wake-up call um, as to what we should be doing in the industry. And some of it is actually we can pat ourselves on the back and say, job, job well done there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's some really interesting stuff in there.
2: Well, we'll ask Tom to come on to Podland and tell us all about it from the horse's mouth. Indeed. Don't call him a horse. <laughs> now uh there's some new podcast platforms that have uh, started to uh, tease themselves out um obviously you found uh, earlier this year the exclusive about uh youtube getting into podcasting mm. but you also have found a little piece of information from Erica who's a strategic partner manager at YouTube so what did you find James
1: yeah so Erica um, we don't know her surname um, but uh, she's a strategic partner manager she released a video with tips about posting podcasts on the platform it's a really interesting watch actually um, she talks about um, you know some of the options of how you might upload an audio only show although she talks about video being rather better she talks about monetization because of course YouTube can actually do that Too, One of the things that she suggested that you do is to make a playlist for your podcast episodes, um, which is something that I hadn't considered. But um, basically, the Pod News uh, YouTube channel has all of the podcasts in there but also has a few other things in there as well. And she's basically saying, make a playlist. So I need now to work out how to automate that. Thanks, Erica. Um, But she ends by saying, we'll keep you posted as we develop more tools for podcasters on YouTube, uh, which is all very exciting. Now, I actually bumped into um, Kai Chuck from YouTube at the podcast show in London, and we had an off-the-record chat, so I can't really tell you anything we uh, ended up saying. But one of the things that um, I am excited... Expecting from that is news at some point over the next couple of months around uh, YouTube. It's very obvious that they were pretty big and pretty exciting at uh, the podcast show in London. I wasn't expecting an announcement there because, you know, why would they? They're a US company. They're on the US Stock Exchange. Why would they make an announcement in the UK? Um, But uh, my suspicion is that we'll see um, probably some big announcements coming up in the next couple of months. I do notice that he is on the speaker list at Podcast Movement in Dallas. Uh, I wouldn't read too much into that, but, you know, again, who knows?
2: Yeah, I bumped into Kai Chuck, but it wasn't something I want to talk about so um because i didn't know it was him and i kept castigating him for not having launched uh, their podcasting and then i looked down at his badge <laughs> so yes moving swiftly on um so yeah brilliant yeah <laughs> he won't be coming on no then. well not with me he won't that's for certain um The other thing that – there was a bit of research around YouTube as well that came out this week. Uh, German podcast website podcast.de posted results of a survey. Yes. Uh, It claims, though, something quite strange about YouTube, James.
1: Yes, it claims that nobody – in Germany at all, nobody listens to podcasts on YouTube. I have to nine. say... Nine! I, I, I have to say not even nine, but zero. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I have to say that uh, in terms of this research, I think it's a bit dubious. I wonder whether or not um, somebody somebody uh, basically sat down and said, uh, a podcast is, a, is an enclosure on an RSS feed, and you can't answer this by saying YouTube first before asking. Um, because certainly the Reuters Institute data that I've seen seems to show that YouTube is is actually quite strong in Germany as it is in most places for listening to what people consider to be podcasts but you know again interesting to have a look Um, it's linked from uh, pod news this week from a German podcast website called podcast.de.
2: Now, everyone seems to be on Tenderhooks waiting for YouTube. And Apple this week released an article just reminding everyone that we also do video, don't have to go to YouTube. Uh, So the article details (laughs) about what the platform can do. And Transistor also, just to make sure that they're not left out, uh, have posted about video podcasts. I'm wondering whether these new sites are going to be called Podtube.
1: Well, I loved the Transistor one. Uh, actually, I thought that the Transistor one was great, uh, where Justin is busy explaining what you can do in terms of video podcasts. And there are three different types of video podcasts. There's uh, YouTube, or there's the Spotify, you know, Anchor thing, or there's open uh, video podcasts on RSS. And then at the bottom of the page, it says, Transistor doesn't currently offer video podcasts. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so you there going, OK. I mean, you know, so a wonderfully honest um, uh, piece. But uh, I think he wrote it because he was fed up of answering the question what is a video podcast? Um, But interesting to watch uh, people getting involved with uh, video podcasts and uh, seeing what happens there. Twitter aren't, though, getting involved in video podcasts, or are they? Mm -hmm. Uh, But they're certainly getting involved in something, aren't they?
2: Yeah, um, again, just a little tidbit sneaking out and about. Um, Jane Wong, who has been very good at releasing little known uh, snippets about what's going on with Twitter's podcast strategy, has posted a Mm. picture saying that, Uh, She's showing a screen grab um, of podcasts now as a sidebar menu. So again, James, what's your thoughts?
1: Yeah, it it seems that Twitter are doing a bit of redesigning of the Twitter app and they're changing the little buttons on the bottom uh, so you've got more scrolly space um, and they're moving the uh, menu into a side menu and the side menu has... You know, things that you would expect like topics and bookmarks and lists and Twitter blue and all that kind of stuff. But there's also something tantalizingly in there called podcasts with a picture of a microphone. Um, What we don't know very much about this, the only thing that we really know in March is that it appeared to show podcast episodes which were shared by users you follow, which is an interesting way of doing things. But it was just a link to Spotify. Um, Twitter do have something called a Twitter card, which is a way of sharing information from a web page straight into uh, Twitter. And they do support uh, Twitter audio players. So maybe they might use a Twitter audio player in the future to um, uh, bring that kind of stuff in. So it would take you know, links that you posted of somebody's podcast and make that available as a piece of audio to play in the Twitter app. Um, I don't know. But again, interesting to see what's happening there.
2: Yeah. And also just a little tweet that we saw from Andrew Lyons. Um, he's he's hinting that Twitter spaces is going to be a separate or a, a new version of the- The Twitter app will include Twitter Spaces on the App Store. He's got a uh, screen grab, and again, we'll put the link in the show notes, showing um, Mm. Twitter releasing a new version of the app with Twitter Spaces embedded within it. So, again... Not quite sure what that is. Oh,
1: okay. Oh, I should uh, have a look a little bit more. I know that uh, certainly on Android, I don't know if you can do this on on toy phones, but certainly on Android, um, you can can actually get an app to put more than one uh, app icon uh, into the launcher. So perhaps you might end up with a separate icon for Twitter Spaces, which goes directly there. Um, But that's just me making it up on the spot. Mm. Well, we'll watch this space. Possibly not do that.
2: Yeah. Uh, Now, Spotify. Again, you notice something again, a little teaser, I guess, coming out from uh, New Zealand. Uh, The Spotify team over there are testing a tool to record a podcast directly into the Spotify app. And it actually has a little video gif that runs showing how that works. Um, James, does, is this the end of Anchor? Are we going to just go direct to Spotify?
1: Yeah, well, it was linked to by Mike Mignano, who, of course, used to work at uh, Spotify. He's literally just left. And his last post from Spotify was basically, you know, what better way of, um, of you know, hanging up my boots uh, than doing this? Uh, it, it's only running in New Zealand. Uh, So once you've been to the dairy and you've had your fush and chops, uh, you can uh, record a podcast directly into the Spotify app if you're in that country and no other country. which is very strange. Uh, maybe I might uh, give my my mate Paul a quick ring and uh, see if uh, he uh, has uh, played around with this. But yeah, you know, interesting to see different companies testing things in different territories. And I think Spotify is doing absolutely the right thing by testing it in a country which only has six million people um, and uh, seeing if it's a massive fail or seeing if it if it actually works. Um, but uh, you know, um, uh, you know, testing is something that Spotify does all the time. So uh, great to uh, see that happening. They're also oh, community—it's that word again. Community. Mm. Um, uh, they're also adding all kinds of things into the Spotify app around uh, your friends' activity, which they used to have in the desktop app um, through still do. Uh, Facebook. Oh, still do. Oh, well, there you go. Well, they appear yeah. to be adding something similar to the spotify app itself um which looks uh, very exciting i'm not quite sure how it knows who your friends are unless of course you know do you do you have to join join friends or so something? it's
2: no it's your facebook social graph so what they did okay. was on the desktop you've got a setting feature that you can turn on and integrate your social graph and facebook mm. and what they've done uh or haven't done in the past, is reveal that same social graph in your mobile app. Okay. But that's what's coming. So you can try it now if you want. If you go to Safari on your iOS device, no, you can't go on that Android brick of yours. (laughs) And um, you type out Spotify colon community in Safari, it will open up this Spotify web app and it will show you how that feature might look.
1: Ah, fancy. Well, there we go. Uh, Worthwhile taking a peek at that. Uh, Yeah, I I have always been surprised that there hasn't been a podcast company out there which hasn't done something similar for podcasts because, you know, obviously if you've got access to your Spotify social graph particularly, um, then it would be a really nice thing to end up seeing oh, you know, all of your friends are listening to to X, Y and Z. Exactly. But I suppose, you know, Breaker did a little bit of that didn't really go anywhere Um, Good Pods is trying to do a bit of that didn't really go anywhere Um, and, uh, yes, I uh, I don't know but, um, yeah but, you know, so that's one way that essentially Spotify will uh, spy on you and your podcast listening, which is um, a little bit of a worry. Um, but they might be doing a little bit of other spying, mightn't they?
2: Yeah, you wrote a piece about Bill Simmons, Spotify's global head of sports. Um, he was presenting at Recode Media. Um, and it seems that he's suggesting that if we like a certain podcast, we can actually go and see how many people are listening to it. And if we feel like there's a piece of Of kind of turf available that can inform who's in that turf who's doing well can we beat this uh we can go and have a bigger audience than this so Mm. it sounds if you sort of unpack that that basically yeah we're going to have a look at which podcasts are doing well in this space and if we think we can do better we go and create one ourselves
1: yeah and um so this is uh this was um a catch from hot pod from hot pod insider and what it basically seems to be saying is that Anyone who works at Spotify uh, can basically have a look at, at all of the Spotify app analytics. So what podcasts are getting plays, how much plays they're getting, comparing one podcast to another podcast, all of that kind of stuff, um, and can then work on, you know, oh, well, that podcast appears to be doing really well. Can we make a similar podcast? Um, that appears to be what Bill Simmons is uh, saying. Now, uh, Rosa O, who is a uh, very nice and patient PR person at uh, Spotify, uh, told uh, Hotpod, oh, well, it's it's. he's just talking about the Spotify um, podcaster dashboard. He's not. He's very clearly not. He's very clearly talking about looking at other people's data and other people's Spotify play data. I would, though, point out that with Spotify buying Charitable, Spotify now have all of the data, all of the play data from every single Chartable customer. And we therefore know how well every podcast uh, does on Apple, on Spotify, on Pocket Casts, on all of the other podcast apps. So they've got all of that data now because they bought uh, Chartable. And of course, they also own Megaphone. Now, I'm told that there is a uh, rock solid contract to stop, um, megaphone sharing the data. On uh, their customers with uh, the rest of uh, Spotify, and I'm absolutely sure that that's the case, and absolutely sure uh, that nobody uh, would ever, you know, wander over to somebody's desk on megaphone and say, "Hey, can you just tell me how this podcast is going?" Because absolutely, that wouldn't that wouldn't happen. But they do have that data, Um, and at some point, you know, they may end up using it. It's not new because obviously you've got, you know, Tesco, for example, big supermarket chain in the UK. They will spot what sells really well, and they will make a Tesco version of it. Um, Amazon um, spot what sells really well, and they make an Amazon Basics version of it, or the or or another own brand version of it. Um, and so, supermarkets and online stores are doing this already. But interesting, seeing
2: uh, Spotify doing it for podcasts too. Mm. Well, they're making a big splash about it. They've been in uh, Can Lions over in um, Cannes. No surprise there. Yes, um, at the called- Spotify beach, mm. let me tell you. Exactly. Mm. Now, where was my invite to that? I should have been going to that. Um, <laughs> Lee Brown, VP and Global Head of Advertising, was making a big play about how they're going to be able to access data through all of their uh, recent acquisitions of Chartable and podent sites. So then, then they're very openly saying at an advertising event – yeah, look, we've got all this data, and look, media companies, come and partner with us, because we can give you all this data now.
1: Yeah, they are. They're saying a bunch of things. Um, and, you know, the fact that uh, both Spotify and iHeartMedia were both at uh, the Cannes Lions International Festival of Creativity, uh, iHeartMedia, by the way, on the iHeart yacht, <laughs> which I just find... Hilarious. Um, You know, they're both clearly courting the advertising uh, companies and uh, doing a bunch of that. Spotify's big announcement this time around was their brand safety thing that they are testing with a bunch of of, uh, people. Um, And so, you know, very much focusing on that. Um, And, uh, you know, it's, it's very clear that, you know, if you're going to be taken seriously by some of the large ad agencies, then you need to be you know, taking a look at um, attending uh, the Cannes Lion uh, Festival, and uh, you know, and basically winding and dining all of the all of the advertising people. Um, I should also say that uh, iHeart. Uh, ran a party, Sam Smith sang, and Paris Hilton did an exclusive DJ set. Now, I went to Podcast Movement Evolutions, as did you, and she did an exclusive (laughs) DJ set there as well. So perhaps it wasn't that
2: exclusive. Mm.
1: But anyway, there we go. Um, But, you know, uh, both iHeart and Spotify doing good things in front of advertisers.
2: Well, uh, Spotify rolled out Dua Lipa as well to do their music entertainment. So that's who they had instead of Sam Smith. Well,
1: very nice um we we'll, we need to find out who's better uh, now but uh yes
2: uh, anyway i can tell you that yes. i can tell you that but <laughs> uh, they also rolled out just so you know uh taj alavi who's global head of marketing uh Ty Comer, who's the senior manager of creative development, and Dawn Ostroff was there as well, Mm. uh, who's the content officer and advertising business officer at Spotify. So they really did take all the big guns down there. This was a big thing for Spotify.
1: They certainly did. They also announced a second season of Batman Unburied, which is a massive hit for them. The first season was number one in 11 markets. They translated it into nine languages. Um, and, uh, they had all of the stars from that show. Dawn Ostroff was there, uh, announcing a second series has received a green light from the company, whatever that's supposed to mean. So, um,
2: yeah, it's all going on. And did they announce the second series of the Obamas as well down there at the same time, James? Uh,
1: they didn't. The Obamas actually have uh, announced that they've left uh, Spotify and that oh. they are off to work for Audible, which is a, a curious thing. Because if you remember, one of the reasons we were told that the Obamas weren't particularly happy about uh, Spotify was the fact that everything was behind a Spotify sign-up wall. Um, and they couldn't necessarily get their influence out as much as they would have liked to have done. What they've um, done by moving to Audible is they've uh, essentially said that all of their stuff is going to be behind a $7.95 a month paywall, uh, which seems a bit of a strange choice for, uh, for the Obamas to do. But um, I'm, I'm sure that they've got a plan.
2: Um, and I look forward to finding out what the plan is. I think $20 million gives you amnesia. That's what I think it gives you, because <laughs> clearly they've forgotten that the, the key reason they wanted was uh, wide distribution. It does say, however, that Amazon the Amazon-owned company will hold exclusive rights to their content but will also distribute the shows to multiple podcast platforms. And I don't know how that works if you have to pay for it on Audible and then it's suddenly free everywhere else.
1: Well, maybe they will do a windowing thing much the same as Spotify did. Uh, so you get it first if you're listening on uh, Audible and maybe not. But, uh, yeah, who knows?
2: But it doesn't seem that the deal for High Ground, which is the Obama's... Uh, production company. The deal runs out with Spotify in October 2022. So there's still a few podcasts to come out, it seems, uh, which will be launching on Spotify this autumn. Yes, which seems a little bit strange, it has to be said. I'm
1: not quite sure whether or not they will really go along with that. Um, Some of the earlier coverage was saying that um, the Spotify deal has already run out. So... um... (laughs) <laughs> Who knows what's going on there? But uh, I'm I'm Ooh. sure that the
2: Obamas will. I, I'm sure that they'll be in touch. I'm sure they'll be as prolific as the Sussexes in producing a podcast. Now, moving on. (laughs) Message Heard, run by Jake Warren, uh, had a big announcement this week. Uh, The production company has signed a deal with CAA, which is a talent agency, a big talent agency. Um, They also uh, got three nominations in the British Podcast Awards, which were announced on Monday. But I did want to hear more about what Message Heard had been doing with CAA and how the deal came about. So we reached out to Jake to find out.
3: So CAA are one of the biggest, globally, one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. Do They represent the great and the good all over the world across basically every single sector and industry. In order for us to sign with them is fantastic. It really opens doors and it really unlocks a lot of opportunities for us. You know, we're not the only podcasting company with them, but I think that they've been quite clever about the number of companies and what those companies do. That they have signed so that there's quite a lot of synergy between us which also allows for collaboration which i think as well is a really exciting thing and it's clearly something we're going to see more of
2: so your role with caa is what to produce new productions for them who's commissioning it they are you are how's the relationship balance
3: it's a bit of a mixture really so it's what i always wanted from an agent which is a two-way street which is that We get the opportunity. Sometimes we foster our own opportunities, but then I get at some point the opportunity to do the whole, which I've not done yet, but I've always dreamed of doing. I talk to my agent, maybe I'll get (laughs) the ability to do that one day. But the idea of having a commercial heavyweight with kudos and name reputation to come into commercial negotiations without me jeopardizing relationships, that's really important for us. You know, so for them to earn their fee in terms of getting us the best deal possible, rather than me being as arrogant thinking I can do it all myself. But also, you know, the roster of talent globally is insane. So having that inside knowledge of X is interested in doing something in the podcasting space, this brand we're working with is interested in doing something in the podcast space. It just gives you a bit of insider information and allows you to neatly coordinate everything in one end to go to either a commissioner or a brand or work with a particular talent so that it's not disjointed and it's it's for, it's all you buy them under one banner it's exciting
2: now who's doing the monetization part i know you've got a sales team is it you to then take the content ip produce it and monetize it
3: yeah again it's a mixture and we never really approach these things with the blueprint of it has to work like this and We do have our own sales team and yes, being nominated, which is good. So it's a mixture really of us fostering our own opportunities, which again, they may be able to top and tail and help with, or sometimes they're bringing us opportunities. Again, it's just having a multifaceted solution, which is the best way of doing it. We're not strictly, it has to be like this, it has to be like that. We're malleable.
2: I'm curious who approached who in the relationship?
3: A good question. The diplomatic answer, and actually also the truthful answer is, It was a bit of both. And that's because CAA are already big in the audio space. It's a space they deeply understand. And we found ourselves working more and more with them because of the amount of work that they do in that space. And because of the level of clients and hosts and talent that they have available to them, and also the opportunities that they're the conduits to, we found ourselves working with them more and more liking the synergies between the way in which we work. So it got to the point where it was, maybe we should think about solidifying this or working together in a more formal way, because clearly we see the world in the same way and the opportunities are getting more, not less. What's the first podcast you've worked on together? We announced it about three days ago, didn't we? There's a bunch of things in the pipeline. I don't think we've not got anything that I'm allowed to talk about yet. It's probably the stage at which we are although there are many irons in the fires, and there are quite a few things being worked on at this moment in time. I can give you an example of how ridiculous they are in terms of actually being able to bring opportunities, even mm-hmm. ones that sound utterly ridiculous. So we were working with a prospective client, I went at the them, and they said to us, well, look, who's the biggest star that you can get? We, money's of no object. We want the biggest stars in the world. And so we went away in quite short order, we were able to give them quotes for for Jennifer Lopez, George Clooney, and Morgan Freeman. The most pie-in-the-sky people that you can think about. Yep. And I won't say the numbers involved, because I can't count that high, and I've got to see the intermediate maths GCSE. But it was astonishing the level of which you can get to when you work with an agency like that because of mm-hmm. the clientele that they represent. I'm still not over that to be honest, be able to give someone Actually Jennifer Lempes said this. But we have a lot of things which we are hopeful that we can announce in short order.
2: I think celebrity led podcasts still have legs. My my concern and question to you more is the monetization do you think brands now are ready to pay the big bucks to get the big stars? Because look at Michelle Obama, Spotify, dug Deep, I don't think they got the return on the value that they placed into Michelle Obama's pocket. Same with probably the other podcasts that they've done. And there's no way they're recouping the 200 million from Joe Rogan. So these high end podcasts that are high end costs because of the Talent? Do you see that they're they're lost leaders, or they are monetizable?
3: Uh, and the number example being the printarian Harry and was it sixteen yeah. million dollars for eleven minutes of voice notes, or something like that. Some of that is always going to be the PR splash, right, to say that we've signed them exclusive, thing, rather than them understanding it's ever going to be a viable way of seeing that money back. I think celebrity-led podcasting is viable as long as you treat it with the same editorial care and quality. That you would for anything you make which is that is there a strong format behind it are these people actually deeply qualified to talk about the subject matter of that show and are they interesting enough that they actually have anything to add or say so mm-hmm. it's i don't buy into the whole with are spending loads and loads of money on x person because they bring y audience it doesn't automatically translate into listens we all know that it probably gives you a fairer crack of the whip in order to get some of those people to convert but ultimately it's that idea that by the virtue of having a podcast, it doesn't make it good or interesting. You have to have something to say and it has to have a strong format behind it. So if you can harness all of those elements together, absolutely yeah. a podcast, if it's adding to the space and it's high quality, has every opportunity to return the money against it. I think America is certainly slightly more sophisticated and advanced in terms of things like that. I'm thinking about Conan O'Brien that just sold his podcast which, you know, it's on some of the shows that he's developing in a part of it uh, for a large fee. But there are examples of it being done well, and it really just comes down, I think, think about the quality of the idea and the format first, before you're thinking about the biggest name that you can possibly shove it
2: Yeah, I agree. Now, we touched on it briefly. Congratulations on the nominations for the British Podcast Awards. I think you had three nominations in different categories. Reel them off to me. <laughs>
3: We did. We've got Best Current Affairs, which is a catch, the real story of the Freshwater Five, which we did with Audible. We've got Red Bull Basement Sessions, which is up for Best Branded. And we've also up, which very excited about for, I think it's the first year they've had this category, the Best sa- best Sales Team, which is mm-hmm. our message sales team, which Again, that's nice because it's a real spread of different things to be recognized for. And we're a business that does do lots of different things. It was nice to get those points of recognition. And also actually, we're a business that's been going for over four years. We'd never want to be nominated at the British Podcast Awards. We've won Arias and we won other lobbies and other awards, which is fantastic. But secretly, I've always wanted that I've had that itch to just at least be nominated at the British Podcast Awards. It is a secret?
2: Take Matt Deegan out for a drink.
3: I know. I've been remiss in not whining and dining Matt Deegan and Matt Hill. But eventually it works. We've been nominated So I'm very excited. It feels excited. In particular, the best sales team, that team in our organization work incredibly hard and they do fantastic work. And now they won't shut up about how the rest of the world thinks they're good.
2: Brilliant. Salespeople sell themselves. If they can't sell themselves, <laughs> they can't sell anything else, can they? Jake, thank you so much. Look, are you going to be there on the 23rd?
3: I will. Yeah. I'm, I think that we'll probably be out in force because it's always a great day out, British.
2: I look forward to catching up with you there then. And Brilliant. congratulations again on the CAA deal
3: Thanks so much. Thanks, Abhimil. Jake Warren
1: from Message Heard. Uh, let's go for some uh, very quick news. Uh, Shimalaya have um, basically said that they're not going to do their IPO now uh, because $100 million uh, of IPO is apparently rather difficult uh, in the current economic climate, and I can kind of understand that. Uh, Veritone uh, has bought uh, another uh, synthetic voice company called Vocal ID. They already own Veritone Voice. They're the uh, Uh, People behind uh, Brian Barletta sounding Spanish on the Sounds Profitable Espanol podcast. Um, So good to uh, end up seeing that. Nielsen did some research in the UK around UK podcast listeners. And they say that almost half of UK podcast listeners only started listening in the past year. They worked with uh, Acast uh, on that uh, too. The Infinite Dial Australia comes out in a couple of days' time, as does the Infinite Dial Canada, Um, So we'll get some comparable data on podcast listening in those countries as well. And Edison Research, gosh, they are busy because they've also just released the Smart Audio Report, which talks about voice assistants and smart speakers. 62% of American adults use a voice assistant, uh, and two-thirds listen to news on their device, as uh, a quick look at Pod news uh, RSS uh, information will uh, end up showing mm, you.
2: Lots of uh, lots of data to come out uh, for a review next week. Now, on the move, uh, Lewis Goodall uh, is to join a Global as a co-host for the company's new daily podcast with Joining Emily Maitlis and John Sopel, so the BBC seems to be losing a lot of people. Um, do you oh, have you seen Lewis Goodall? Have you? watched while you're over in Oz, BBC News Night still?
1: Yeah, so BBC News Night, which is the daily news analysis programme that the BBC uh, do, um, uh, it's it's a very well-respected well show. You can also watch it on BBC World News as well. And uh, Lewis Goodall was policy editor. I'm not quite sure what policy editor does. Um, but he is going to be... I think there's two things out of this. Firstly, he's going to be a co-host of this show. Secondly, it's going to be a daily news podcast from Emily Maitlis and John Sopel. Now they used to do a podcast uh, in the past uh, the AmeriCast uh, I think Uh, and Mm -hmm. uh, so they know a thing or two about doing good podcasts but really interesting to see that uh, Global is diving into the original podcast world with um, quite some seriousness because this won't be so far as anybody can understand on LBC which is uh, Global's Talk uh, station. Um, And they are focusing on video as well. So Lewis uh, Goodall ends up um, writing something about uh, my brief will be to supercharge the organization's video output. What does that look like? Much more to come, but we have big plans. Um, They put Andrew Ma, who does a daily um, uh, one hour long show, out as video. Will they be doing more of that uh, stuff in the future? That will be uh, interesting to find out. Oh, and by the way, if you have The Global Player, which is a very good podcast app in the UK, then you'll find Pod News is now on The Global Player. So... um if the only reason that you're going to Spotify or to Apple Podcasts is to listen to the Pod News podcast, then worry no no longer, because uh, we're now in the global player too. All hail global, our new overlords.
2: <laughs> well, Dina Sophos, who I was talking to at the London Podcast Show, will be coming on Podland in September to talk to us all about not only just this uh, podcast with... Um, With Lewis Goodall and Emily Maitlis, but he'll also be talking about the new Dua podcast he did as well. And he's got a big announcement to make in September, which is why he's waiting to come on Podland till then.
1: Well, that's exciting, isn't it? Uh, Lots of jobs out there on podjobs.net, including Steve Pratt's job, if you wanted that. Uh, Friend of the show, uh, Senior Director of Pacific Content and Podcasting. You'd be working for Rogers, which is a big um, communications company in Canada. Then that's up for grabs, along with Managing Director of Acast in the UK. Um, Head of News and Factual Podcasts for Global Media, um, or rather Global, um, uh, they are, you know, hiring for them as well as uh, they are hiring as as well as hiring for Head of Comedy and Entertainment Podcasts. Again, you know, just like that Lewis Goodall story, Global really pushing into making original podcasts. Um, podcasts and maybe we should get um, some of the global folks uh, on this very show in the fullness of time. And some folks from VoiceWorks Sports. uh, If you want to be director of commercial partnerships or director of sports social, whatever that is, um, then you'll find those jobs on
2: podjobs.net. Well, you will be able to find out what sports social is, James, because we interviewed Sophie and Jim from VoiceWorks. And they'll be on the show next week to talk about the social network they've built. That's a vertical for sports, which is, why I guess, what the director of Sports Social will be in charge of. Oh,
1: I thought you were going to um, launch into another interview there. And I was thinking, <laughs> how, how long <laughs> is this podcast going to be? no 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 my word restraint (laughs) yes restraint uh some interesting tech stuff um podcasts live is a good twitter uh, handle to follow it's basically monitoring people using the new podcasting 2.0 live item tag so if you want to watch some live podcasts And then just follow Podcasts Live on uh, Twitter, which is uh, very clever. Uh, I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier about Squadcast version 5 out next week. Um, Podcastle has also added video to its remote recording tool. Um, So remote recording tools seemingly uh, being uh, in vogue at the moment, what with Podcastle and uh, Riverside and now uh, Squadcast doing some um, good uh, stuff. Um, there's also a, a new free podcast host in Germany, if that, uh, if that rocks your boat. Uh, podcast Booth is the company. Podcast Buda uh, have uh, launched it. It puts advertising within the shows, but it does share the revenue with the creator, which is uh, quite nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, the Good Pods app now has a comments feature in there as well. Um, a couple of things that w- worry me about, you know, lots of different apps having lots of different comments features is that you d- d- don't, you, you know, you end up having lots of splintered conversations everywhere. Um, and uh, I quite like the way that Fountain is doing it, in that it's uh, it, it does have an API which you can grab those uh, comments and use them everywhere. Uh, so maybe that's uh, that's a plan. But um, well, quite a lot of interesting tech things going on, I think.
2: Or well, maybe if they all use the social tag within the podcast index to own. Namespace, then we would see the comments flowing between different apps, but we wouldn't have to then get them siloed.
1: Yes, indeed, although um, that is just another silo, of course. Um, and uh, I quite like the idea of, uh, you know, if you want to leave a comment, leave a comment with 50 sats or something, and then uh, you're actually um, supporting the podcast that you're commenting on as well. Also, might mean that you might get less miserable people leaving grumpy comments about this podcast is far too long. Why are you and
2: Sam talking?
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, hey, I think it's time for Boostergram Corner. Boostergram Corner.
2: So we got a 12112 sats. I'm sure that again has a proper name to it. I haven't learned them all yet. But thanks, Dave. Uh, we He would like to know where Fathom gets its podcast data from. I searched for our show and couldn't find it. Yeah, I'm not sure, Dave. Uh, Again, I think they probably use the Apple index. Uh, You may not be listed in that one. Uh, Again... That's where I'm guessing they're getting it from, but happy to reach out and ask uh, Ken Miller where they get their data from.
1: Yes, uh, that would be interesting to uh, find out. Um, I know that they didn't have an awful lot of uh, podcasts in there. I think they've only got two million only. In E-commerce, uh, two million in there, um, which is significantly less than Apple or uh, the podcast index uh, does uh, quite yet. Um, I'm assuming, by the way, that um, uh, that, that uh, one two one one two is a big rush boost. Because two one one two is a rush boost after the um, after the album that uh, Dave unaccountably likes. <laughs> okay. uh, so, um, uh, mere mortals is doing something uh, which is quite clever. Uh, Kyron, fellow Brisbaneite, um, he has a podcast supporters page which basically has a chart of all of their supporters to the mere mortals podcast. Um, it's produced by an Excel sheet that they download from um, their uh, boostergram um, uh, 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 company. Um, the, uh, the Satoshi's stream service that collects the boostergrams uh, for them—it's quite a nice idea. So, um, yeah, I looked at that and I thought, hmm, I wonder how you could programmatically build that. Be interesting to find out. I'm sure we'll tell <laughs> you.
2: While you're on a flight, you will have done it by the time you get off, James.
1: <laughs> Maybe, although uh, Qantas, bless them, uh, haven't quite managed to get uh, international Wi Fi working. No, yet. no, no, change uh, flight. No.
2: I couldn't do that. 16 hours.
1: No, actually, you know what? I, I really enjoy not having the internet for oh. a bit. Uh, but I am also really enjoying them uh, ending up getting it. Um, and they've been holding off because, uh, you know, there's a big problem over the Pacific Ocean because uh, there's not very much decent satellite coverage over there and they've been holding off till new satellites get launched but i believe that they are launched now so um they should be uh, getting that going there although um they are very rapidly turning into a budget airline Um, Yes, let's move on.
2: Uh, on. (laughs) Event corner. Indeed. So, as we said earlier, the British Podcast Awards are coming up uh, pretty quickly now. They're going to be on Saturday, the 23rd of July. Tickets went on sale on this Monday, Monday the 20th of June. And they also had a little ceremony, which was the nominations for the British Podcast Awards, which was over in East London. Uh, Matt Deegan revealed quite a few awards, as you said, a number of categories, Um, So check them out. Lots of our friends, thankfully, getting uh, lots of nominations. So we're very excited to see who's going to win. I am going to go along to the awards. So if you are there, please do come and say hello. Ah, excellent.
1: Um, And there's also the Canadian Podcast Awards, the fifth one of those. They're open for nominations. There are 31 categories. And you've until July the 13th uh, to enter more details in our show notes. And there's a comedy podcast festival coming to London in October. It's called Cheerful Earful. Uh, and it includes uh, shows from, well, all kinds of people, including We Are History, Pappy's Flat Share, and the one that I'm most excited about, Richard Herring's Rahalistapa, uh, which is an excellent podcast, which I listen to most weeks. So um, you'll be able to go and watch that live upstairs in a pub, um, which sounds like heaven. Um, <laughs> cheerful
2: Earful uh, is uh, where to find more information on that. And if you want to find about more events, do go to pod.events on James's site as well.
1: So what's happening for you this week, Uh in podland
2: sam very exciting i found a radio station sponsor so i'm very excited to announce them shortly so uh, that means that oh who is it no james no 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 you're not teasing it out <laughs> of me like you normally do No, i will be announcing it soon but it does mean i can sleep well at night at the moment so that's quite nice and uh, we installed the aircon the day after the heat wave. That's fantastic. But we have now got oh, that was aircon in the studio. Tiny. Yeah. Well, we tried to get it in before, but uh, it didn't work. So the day after the heat wave that just passed this week, we now have aircon in the studio. So I'm very excited.
1: And uh, I'm not here for the next couple of weeks. Um, so you have lined up some excellent co-hosts of this very podcast. Have you not?
2: Yeah, I'm excited. Um, Ariel Nissenblatt uh, sounds like this and that. Um, will be my co-host next week. After that, she may not well be. Um, And uh, Harry Duran Duran, he's going to be the week after. Excellent. Well, I'm looking
1: forward to uh, that. Uh, I am on a holiday for uh, two weeks and the only job that I have to do is write pod news. Brilliant. Very much looking forward to doing that on my holiday every day. Uh, But still, I will be in uh, the UK seeing uh, family and friends and uh, weddings and uh, all kinds of things. Uh, so that's
2: all good, and hopefully coming for a crafty tug. And
1: uh, yes, if we can manage a crafty tug, um, uh, I've just discovered uh, that uh, at least one set of people who I'm supposed to be visiting have COVID, so that's not going to be happening. Oh. Uh, but we will, <laughs> but we will see see what else we manage there. Uh, and that's it for this week. If you like Podland, tell others to visit. You can tell your friends on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or Facebook, or by smoke signal. Uh,
2: you can even email comments at Podland at News, or send us a boostergram. You're also awesome. Also find all our previous shows and interviews on our website, podland.news. Yes, or just listen
1: to us using the Fountain app. Uh, that would be a very good thing, and we will get some of Oscar's money. Uh, that would be excellent. If you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net. The podcast is in your podcast app or smart speaker, and you'll find all the stories we've discussed in the show notes. We use chapters and transcripts too. But now is a great time to tell you uh, that you could have skipped through that long uh, piece. Uh, Earlier. Uh, Our music is from
2: Ignite Jingles, too. And we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends, Buzzsprout and Squadcast. Keep listening.